Today on the Whatsoever Things show, the guys discuss the beginning of all things, old earth theory versus young earth theory. How old is the earth really? And does the Bible actually talk about evolution? It's another great show, so hang on. Here we go. Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Whatsoever Things show, a podcast designed to stimulate your mind, tickle your funny bone, and encourage your faith. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Welcome back to another episode of the Whatsoever Things podcast. Today we decided to take up a topic that should bring lots of hate mail. (laughs) (laughs) Curtis, bring on the curse. Are you a young earth or an old earth believer? Um, Or... A gap theory believer, like I tend to be. Okay, Thomas Hickman and Josh Hamlin with Pastor Daniel on the other side doing the sound, and we gave him a mic. He's pushing buttons, ladies uh-huh. and gentlemen. And so let's let's take time. <laughs> let's tackle this. Do you believe in dinosaurs or not? Me? Josh. Yeah, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> oh New Earth, goodness. Old Earth, Gap. You got, I feel Before like. Before you get started, Thomas, okay, go ahead. Thomas is going to read. Some poetry to us. Some poetry. Genesis chapter one. I'm going to go ahead and read whoa, the first whoa. chapter. Is it poetry or history? It's his. Thank oh, you. Oh. That's up for debate. <laughs> no, it's it? historical it? poetry. Historical Isn't poetry, yes. Isn't it up for debate? Here we go. Okay, so Genesis chapter one, the account of creation. And this is from the NLT. Um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land, and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. 
Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the saw animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. All right, we're not going to discuss the length of a day. What? Okay. I don't think we need to. That could be a future discussion. Is that... I'm, I'm up for anything. I just... I'm nervous about this topic. I think you guys are like, yeah, let's just jump in the pool, cannonball. And I'm like, okay, yeah, please well, on I think this. you're nervous because I think you think people care what you think, and they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> All right, let me start out with some of what I think, because I'll forget, oh. and I won't chime in. <clears throat> this is what this is my sort of thought. Okay, you know, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then there's this gap. There's this gap. And it says, then God said, let there be light. It say he created. It goes on to God saying, let there, let there, let there, until he gets to the animals and he creates. Mm-hmm. So... Am I a gap believer that there was this earth with dinosaurs and things happening? And he said, you know what? I've got a better plan. Yeah. And then that that space between surface of the waters and then the word then. He's like saying, starting now the rest of the story. So you picking it up. So you think there was no sun when there was dinosaurs? There was no light? He said, let there be light. He didn't say he created light. I don't know what y'all are talking about. So I know with the gap theory, um, you're right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then a long expanse of time, undisclosed, who knows how long. And then it says, now the earth was formed now, and voidless. In, in the NIV, now. Yeah. His says then. His, Bible, NLT, his version, yeah. Yeah, NLT. So <laughs> the NIV, NIV says now. So you think after that whole expanse of time, the earth was formed. Then it was 24-hour periods, seven 24-hour periods after that. Or six, I guess. I think he's just picking up on the rest of the story, this new story, hmm. after the gap. But it, but it does say the earth was formless and empty. Could have been after an event. I don't he didn't know. create light. I don't know that I he believe in a gap. Waters. Well, tell us why. Tell us. Yeah. Thomas. Let's put the pressure on Thomas. I just I, if if it's if it's formless and empty, you're saying in between hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, "Let there be light." So you're you're. NIV says now. So you're saying there 
before there was light. There was no, there was light. There was an earth. Oh, okay, this, so you're saying the earth was around. It was doing its thing, and then God just wiped it clean, formless and void, and now we're starting over. Let there be light. I think formless and void could oh, be discussed. Okay. I see what you're saying. There so, was land. It wasn't... It, there was there was land. Mm-hmm. Something happened. Hmm. Just like you could say during the flood, yeah. there was just water. Well, there was something else under the water. So you're saying in between verses one and two? Yes. Is, okay. I get. Uh, okay. That's what I was thinking. You were talking about in between two and three, and I'm like, theory. that doesn't. That's interesting. I'm looking it up, and and Josh, I... what are you so timid about? What are <sighs> your thoughts? I just feel like this is. It's funny when you talk to some people about this, they'll be like, oh, I didn't even know there was a controversy between whether the earth is young or old or at all. That's interesting. And it's no big deal to them. But some people. They will you, challenge you. You bring it up. They'll, how old are dinosaurs? And well, they the dinosaur will, says T Rex was 6 million years old. Well, the earth is only 20. <laughs> they'll say that. 3,000 um, years old. How can the dinosaur be 6 million? If you try to make the, the earth old, you're undermining. The book of Genesis, and if you're undermining the book of Genesis, well, Jesus quoted Genesis. How much further do you want to go? Do you want to undermine the Word of God altogether? And they'll uh, they'll stand on that, and I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> so I'm timid about it. Um, so do you think Genesis is a word for word? Oh my gosh! Thanks, Thomas. I'm just I'm just trying to get it out there. Now, we are not paid staff here here at Oxford. Yes, we're not theologians. We are volunteers, so we can't fire us. Goodness gracious. Uh, Pastor Daniel can say, you know what, guys? We had a good run, but we're done. I don't think he would say good. I think he would say, guys, we we had a run. Well, let's (laughs) let's just say that there's... So there is the gap view that Mike is a little interesting, or is a little different, because you think there were dinosaurs and all that stuff in between in that gap. And then all that was wiped clean, and you started over with a new creation on top of the old one, right? Is that what you were saying? I'm not so. I'm not. I have not studied and formed a firm opinion, but I I am interested in sort of this gap that's shown yeah. in the Bible. He does not create everything every day. And then there's he said let, which means it was already created. So when did that creation happen? Okay, so let's get all the theories out. So there's the gap theory, yes. and then there's the uh, there's. I would guess we would call it the traditional. 24-hour day theory, and it's just like it reads in the Bible. I mean, anyone can read the book of Genesis or Genesis 1 and come up with the conclusion that these are 24-hour periods. It, the, the way mine reads it, it's pretty convincing. Evening passed That's and what morning it came. I mean, it, yeah. so it's, it's pretty convincing. And so there's that view. Then the, the other view would be the day-age view. Mm-hmm. Um, or is that because God's outside of time and space? So what is a day to him? Well, I we think it know. breaks down to the word day in the Hebrew in the ancient Hebrew language. So if you take the Hebrew language and you take out just the proper names out of the Hebrew language, you're left with like 3000 Hebrew words to mm-hmm. describe everything. Well, the, the Hebrew Contrast language... Contrast that to English, which is millions of words to describe things. It's not. I keep hearing that all the time, but it's not. The English language is about 300,000 common words that we use. So I guess it could be millions because we're not including common words. But the English language is about 300,000. Hebrew is about 30,000. So it is a tenth. However, the Hebrew word for day does Man. translate exactly to a 24-hour period. Okay. The, the Hebrew day... The Hebrew word yawn. Yes. 
does translate to 24 hours, yep. but it has multiple meanings, like most Hebrew words, because yeah. there isn't that many. Yep. Um, for instance, they'll say, in the day of David, which your Bible might translate it, the reign of David, but it's still the same that's, word. That's yarn. a fair point. Yeah. And so there's a long period of time. It could mean a 24-hour period, could mean from sunup to sundown, so actually daytime. Mm-hmm. It could mean a reign or a person's lifespan, or it could mean an undisclosed long period of time. And so these people who say the day age is a undisclosed long period of time, and it's more like in this section of time, this happened. At the end of that section of time, a new thing happened. And uh, so that would be their argument. I think maybe... So you, so in, in all the places in the Bible where it is referring to a day, is this the only section that we can't take as literal day? Or... Oh, man. So how let's does, start. Let's, how does this work, Josh? So let's talk I'm trying about to get the, clarification. Yeah, let's talk about the traditional view. Um, so I think um, I have a friend of mine who is very, very much traditional view of a 24-hour period for each day as it reads in the Bible. And I remember I had a back and forth with him, and I said, well, what about the Grand Canyon? I mean, that looks, the, the earth has this appearance of age, it seems like. And he really shot that down pretty easy. He said, well, if the earth is billions of years old, shouldn't there be more Grand Canyons everywhere <laughs> instead of just one place where a river was for well, a long time? Well, there's at least two, because oh, we've yeah. been to the second one. Which one? The Mini Grand Canyon no, in Georgia. Right, yeah. We went there, <laughs> yeah, you and I. yeah. But uh, not as not as impressive as the Grand Canyon. And I, I, I was impressed. And I remember telling him, I'm like, well, rivers move, you know. They don't stay in the same place. That one happened to stay in the same place. And he says, oh, well, if rivers are moving, you should have tons of evidence over billions of years of rivers moving around the face on the face of the earth. I'm like, okay. And I said, well, what about the sediment layer? And he'd say, um, you know, sediment layers, you know, where you dig deeper, you get different mm-hmm. material. And that... The idea is that that stacked up over time, and it took a long time to get there. And he says, that doesn't really prove time. Um, you can't have an argument built on sediment layers, therefore a long period of time. You can take, I mean, imagine taking a fish aquarium and throwing different kinds of soil in it, stirring it up, and in about three minutes you have sediment layers. Mm-hmm. So if anything, it actually kind of suggests the worldwide flood, to be yeah. honest with you. But... Um, so he threw that out of that that you know happened, and uh, the the thing that he explained the best and the, his best argument and it's a good one is he where it comes down to that word yawn the day in in old Hebrew he, he has in Exodus chapter twenty you get to Moses God telling Moses the Ten Commandments to give to the people and one of the Ten Commandments is honoring the Sabbath day and it's and it's written just like Six days, six yawns, you shall work. And on the seventh day, the seventh yawn is consecrated to God, and it's for him. Just as God created the earth in seven and six days and rested on the seventh day from his work, Mm -hmm. so you shall do. And it's like, here is, first of all, if the Bible interprets, if scripture interprets scripture, it's pretty sound. You're supposed to stand on that. Usually it's someone in the New Testament interpreting the old testament you know um but sometimes you have old testament prophets interpreting moses you know and sometimes you get that here you have the author of genesis interpreting his own writing in the same book i mean exodus is the second book but really the torah is just one book Mm -hmm. and he's talking about this thing and so you have this trifecta of moses is interpreting himself 
he's interpreting, you know, his own thing. And he says it's equal to a 24 hour period, just as you work a 24 or six 24 hour periods. So that's the same. It's equal to God working that. And that is like the strongest, hardest um, argument there is for a young earth. I mean, that is six 24 hour periods. There's there's no way to squirm out of that. And um, so, like, if you're listening and you think it is six 24-hour periods, you got a strong case. You, you really do. It, it's hard to, for me to get out of it. I would argue that kind of scripture, interpreting scripture for anything else. But for this, I always try to, like, well, it doesn't count here. And it makes me look almost, I guess, hypocritical. Maybe that's not the right word, but definitely not. Um, so, so you don't think the first chapter in Genesis should be read literal? Yes, you should be read literal. But in the sense, what literal sense do you mean? So when Jesus says, I am the door, you don't literally think he's made of mahogany with a brass doorknob and hinges. That's a nice door, though. I'm yes, just saying a mahogany door is really nice. In the nice. sense that he is the only way to the Father, in that sense, he is literally a door. Mm. But it depends on the but sense it, of but literal. You don't, so, so you would have the earth at between six and 10,000 years old. I think the earth's 4 billion years old. Under, but under that theory, under the 24-hour day that, that Moses spoke, it would have the earth at 10,000 years old. So you don't think Genesis chapter 1 is actual account? Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm on trial. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's an actual account that it's yes, read literally? it is an actual account. I think it's the word of God. I think it's inspired by God, and it is the actual account as God gave it to Moses. So where but does the rest of the time fit in? I think it means what we think it means. I think we're missing something there. Where are we missing it? The oh missing theory. <laughs> yeah, the missing theory. Da, 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 da. We're creating it tonight. Yeah. But under the literal theory, it would have Earth as 10,000 years old. Roughly. How are you getting 10,000? They, they'd say oh, between oh, six, yeah. Six and 10. Okay, six and 10,000 years yes. old. Which is called the young Earth. The, the young Earth. Earth. The young yes. Earth creationists. Mm-hmm. And so dinosaurs could be no older than 10,000 years old. Yeah. Okay. So where do the dinosaurs come into play then? Oh, man, they've been around for a long time. I think human beings have been on the Earth for a good 20,000 years. I think so. <laughs> so you don't believe in young Earth? Then? Yeah. I, do, I am not. I am old Earth creation. He believes in the literal interpretation of Genesis, but there's a missing... <laughs> but I squirm out of that uh, there's scripture a missing, versus uh, interpret well, scripture I'd, thing. I'd like to figure out more why instead of you just going, well, I just think there's something missing. Well, you what just, do you think you is You just missing? did a great job of explaining young Earth theory, now explain old Earth theory. What do, what so, do you think? I think one, one uh, straw man view of old Earth theories. If someone's from a young Earth perspective and they look at old Earth, they kind of tend to think... Well, it's because we, in the last 150 years, we've had all these scientific discoveries, and you're trying to make the Bible fit a certain scientific mode that that way you can, you know, it, I don't know what they think that, but that's not necessarily well, the it, case. Most science is done where you create a hypothesis, a theory, and then you try to make it work. Yeah, well, and so that's where they're saying the same thing you're, is you're cre- you're creating this theory that the Earth is however many millions yeah. of billions of years, and then you try to make things work and fall into that. But I don't think that's the case. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's evidence of early church from second century on of people interpreting these days as being longer than days. Uh, there was, and I can't remember this. I wish I should have looked it up. But there was, a, I think, a second century Christian who wrote the Roman governor 
because this guy was concerned about Christians eating, drinking blood and eating flesh, you know, at communion. And he says, look, we're not really eating blood and drinking flesh. That's just, that's just what we do. It's the Lord's Supper. And then he also mentioned, and we don't think the earth is six days old. Nobody I know thinks that, you know, and uh, at least in his circle, nobody thought that. And that was before any scientific, you know, discoveries of any kind. And even Augustine, or Augustine, if you're from Florida, you call him Augustine. But um, he would even say he doesn't know what to do with these days in the creation account. And so it's, again, that's before the scientific method. So this kind of debate has happened for a long time. Yeah. And it's not something that's new. Although, certainly with the um, discoveries of science, you do get more. But anyways, for me, so I guess for me, I came across this guy. So... By the way, if you want to, if you're interested in this stuff, you should look up Ken Ham. If you're young Earth creationist, I'm man. not a fan of Ken Ham. He's really? Yeah, he's I'm um, not at all. I think cre- I find him very snotty. Answers might in Genesis. Be the word. Is that his website? Answers in Genesis. That right. I think so. He's the one who started the Ark. Ex- Ark. Yeah. The experience. Ark. Is that, I think that's and what it is. he made a life-size replica of the yeah. Ark. It's pretty cool. I would love to go. Yeah. Um, they it's got, in Kentucky, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's got dinosaurs on board. Yeah. It's just kind of funny to me. But, Anyways, look him up if you want to learn the young Earth. And you look up a debate with him. He's a really good debater. He, he's very smart. I, yeah. just, I think the way he comes across is just... I don't know. It, it drives me away. And then know. what I found is a guy named Hugh Ross, who that's when I first really cut my teeth on the old Earth perspective. And he's an interesting guy. His website's called Reasons to Believe. And um, it's really good. There's plenty of good information there. And his theory is that in Genesis chapter 1, you have the earth was formed and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. And so he said, from there on, the story is told from the perspective of God at the surface of the water. So on the surface of a young earth, of the earth when it was young, I guess, um, is the sky is covered with clouds and thick, you know, there's volcanic activity, there's clouds, there's water settling in places. And that's why you don't get the stars and the sun and the moon until day three. Is that what it is? Because by then the skies have cleared up from the surface of the water. From that perspective, that's what's going on. And if you read it from the perspective of the surface of the earth, it is interesting that these things are happening over time. He also agree. He also thinks that each day is more like an age or an unspecified. So, so does that mean if if those lights didn't appear until the day that he created those lights, looking at it from a perspective of being on the surface of the water, um, then they already existed? Yeah, I guess so. And he also so he created you know, the universe before the Earth. So he. So the story of because creation knowing what is, we know about science is that those those lights come from a sun, come from reflections of things and in the stars sky. From so far away. so yeah. if that's the case, wouldn't that mean that he created? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm not sure how he would mention that. Um, go to reasons to believe dot <laughs> com or org or whatever it is. Join his Patreon. Or? Yeah, I know that he is interesting though. He's the first time I heard something like that, and I thought, well, that's that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what drives what what gets stuck in my head that I can't get out of my head is um, we started building bigger and bigger telescopes as time. Oh, here I'll tell you. Let's talk about Galileo for a second. So Galileo, 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 Galileo. Yeah. Galileo he uh, he he ground he grind grounded 
background. His mirrors on his telescope, or his lenses on his telescope, so he could see further out. And um, he pointed it at the planets, and he pointed at Jupiter, and he drew the first drawings of Jupiter. He pointed at Saturn. He saw the rings of Saturn for the first time. And then he pointed it at Venus, and he noticed something when he saw Venus, that Venus went through phases, like the moon goes through phases. And he thought, that's interesting. I wonder why. And he started playing with the model of the solar system. And if you put the sun in the middle and Venus as an inner planet, it would go through phases. And he, you know, had this epiphany like, wow, the sun's at the middle and the earth is spinning around. And so he's telling everybody this. And uh, the church at the time had already interpreted scripture a certain way. There's a psalm that says, um, you know, we praise you, God, because you caused the sun to rise in the east and to set in the west. And from that, they interpreted the sun is moving and the earth is standing still. The church had interpreted it. And he said, no, 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 that's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying God moves the heavens and we praise him for how the heavens move. And they said, no, no, we've already interpreted it. That's the way it is. And so he had to recant saying that the earth spins around and that it's not the center and he had to live in house arrest because the Bible was misinterpreted, mm -hmm. you know. And it's interesting. Fast forward later, and we build bigger and bigger telescopes, and there's this guy named Hubble who they build a fancy telescope for him, and he gets all the credit, even though the engineers who made this telescope should got some credit. But he's the one looking through it. And before his time, they, they would see fuzzy things in the sky, and they called them nebulas or, you know, but And there, there are nebulas in, in space, but these things weren't quite nebulas. And when Hub, Hubble looked in his telescope and he saw them, he saw galaxies, a whole bunch of stars bundled together, and there were tons of them everywhere. And uh, it was the first time, you know, the universe grew. It was like, holy cow, that's big out there. And um, what he noticed, too, is that each galaxy, every single one except one, Andromeda, but that's for another story, Every single galaxy is shifted in the red, a reddish color, which is interesting because if um, something's moving towards you, it shifts blue. And if it's moving away from you, it shifts into a red shift yeah. as it moves away. Just like a train, if a train's coming towards you, it compresses. The effect. Yeah, that's it. When a train comes towards you, it, it compresses the sound wave so it's high pitched. And then when it leaves, it's, it expands the sound wave so it's low pitched. Same thing with light waves, <clears throat> they're all moving away. And since then, since Hubble, you can measure how fast they're, they're moving away. And you can say that the universe is expanding more today than it was yesterday. And if you rewind that all the way back, it was closer together, closer together, closer together. And that's how we came up with this, you know, Big Bang Theory that we have, that at some point it was all compressed to one place and bam, it exploded out. Um, and it's just so compelling because you can measure the speed of these galaxies moving away based on the shift, red shift that they have, that you can rewind it to a certain amount of time. And the universe is still young. I think it's only like 200 billion years old. I mean, that's still pretty young. But compared to what? Me. Well, I mean, we're going <laughs> to live for... How are we doing in comparison I mean, here? I mean, we'll be around in another 200 billion years if you think about it that way. So it's still kind of young in that sense. But... That's such a compelling theory to me that I'm like, wow, this thing has been around a long time. And then you read Genesis, and you're like, how can you make sense of that and this at the same time? And so that was a trouble that I had, at well, least. The, the theory that you described where the universe was created already, 
and he the just, gap theory you talking about? No, the one that you were talking about, where Ross's. where when the spirit of God hovered over yeah mm-hmm. over the face of the earth, we're looking at creation from the perspective of being right above the water. That would confirm that theory that the universe already existed when that point of the scripture was was talking about the the earth earth's creation. <clears throat> and, and there's also this point that s- some say things had to take place. He gravity had to do what gravity did to work for when the humans were on earth. And so when like, God created the animals, the animals had to be created, live, procreate, make the egg, have the chick. And but then which one on. came first? The chicken, chicken or the egg? egg. <laughs> but it wasn't just... Well, I have, a, I have a theory of creation based on that that we can talk about in a little bit. Oh, so right. Yeah, so, but the earth, you know, he, the magnetic field, gravity, all that had to, was created as a force that had to work, mm-hmm. had to, the engine had to go. It's, 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 it's like a, a diesel. You just don't go up to a diesel engine and start it. You turn the key and it preps it. You wait and the light will go off and tell you when to start it. And then you start it and then you don't automatic, automatically jump on well, Thomas, you're dealing with county equipment. You probably tear it up. <laughs> no, like I don't. your brother-in-law tears up his I work don't. truck. The other guys but did. then you let the diesel run for a few minutes. Let let all the fluids go, and and then then it works. And that that's sort of what some people say about that is God created, but He let things, he let things work. Step let, back and let it go. I think Ben Franklin had that view of um, God started creation and then stepped back and let it go. Um, so I'm actually glad to hear that because my theory has nothing to do with anything I've read or anything that, <laughs> that I've found in the Bible. It just occurred to me one day, and I have no idea if it's true. So I'm just putting this out there. Um, my, the, what came first, chicken or the egg? Well, the Bible doesn't say God created the egg. The animals are all talked about as if they already existed Never in some form size. or fashion. They could yeah. have been adolescent. They could have been adults. We don't know. But it never talks about embryonic <coughs> state. It talks about things existing as if they had already grown some. So what if God created the earth as if it had already grown some? Or what you were just saying actually makes a lot more sense than what I just said, that he created it, took a step back and let it mature. Maybe he let the I, whole universe mature. I, I think so, because even when it when it talks about the animals, it says, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal. So it, it, it he called forth to the earth, you grow up these animals let them all i don't i don't it doesn't necessarily say that he created and it kind of does afterwards because it it, right after it 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 does say um god made all sorts of wild animals livestock smaller but first he says let the earth produce every sort of so it sounds like we are confirming both the big bang theory and evolution (laughs) as stated in the bible well, you know, I don't know about evolution. Uh, well, I do like like, big, that's what he just said. Am, Let the earth produce. So like God gave the earth cosmology. the ability mm-hmm. to yep. evolve but over time. That's what he just said. I, I also I have a, a personal vendetta against the Big Bang Theory because I hear a lot of people saying, well, we know how the earth was created because we know it. about the Big Bang Theory. And it's like it's you you literally just said like what, slow it down. Listen to what you said. It's a theory. Yeah. It's a thought, but just there's so many people that are like, well, yeah, it's how it happened. It was a yeah. big bang. It's well, who created the stuff that went theory. bang? You know, it's yes, funny. But still. Well, you know, well there's the, always the big bang needs a big banger. Yeah. And uh, that's where God steps in. Uh, and you remember our interview with Miss Marcia? She said that God, she believes God's a ever-creating, non-stopping, creating God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so, too. And so my theory is interesting. Um, the, the Bible goes through those six days, and they all end, you know, with... Um, morning and evening, 
marks the end of that day. You get to the seventh day, and there isn't an end. There's no end to it. Um, so we're still in it? So that's, yeah, that's the theory. It's an interesting one. I kind of like it because um, you get this. That's like the TV show, and you watch the last episode, and he wakes up from a dream. New heart. Oh. That's not fair. <laughs> Anyways. I believe you just dated yourself there, Mike. <laughs> um, it doesn't end, and so it kind of fits with uh, the way things are. Why do why does evil happen and, and nothing seems to get done about it? And, you know, there's a great judgment coming but why is it coming well we're waiting for the end of this age this seventh age to end which is interesting you know um jesus has a, a parable where he talks about uh this sower or this master goes out and sows his vineyard or his crop and while he's sleeping the his enemy comes in and sows weeds among the crop and then the workers come to him and say, someone has sowed weeds among the crops. Should we pick them out now? And he says, no, we don't want to destroy the harvest. Wait till the end, till they all grow up, and then we'll separate the weeds from the harvest. And then Jesus talks to his disciples like, did you understand that parable? And they're like, no, we don't. So he explains it to them. He said, the workers are the angels. The master is the father. And there's, you know, the harvest is... The Christians, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the disciples didn't ask, but I would ask, like, why was the father asleep? Why was he sleeping? <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting analogy of this, you know, age of rest that even the father himself won't break his own rules, won't break his age of rest to judge the wicked. When the age is over, the wicked will be judged. And in um, Hebrew, Old Testament Hebrew, on the Sabbath day, you couldn't have court. You couldn't, you know have judgments done. Yes, and but so God intervenes through the Bible. Yes. So Jesus says, wouldn't you go into a hole to save your livestock on the Sabbath day? And it's interesting he says that to the Pharisees because so he if, get, if he's giving age, God an out. If, if this age theory is right, God has sent his son into a hole to save livestock, the sheep, us, on the Sabbath age. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a theory. It's interesting. I like it, though. I always kind of wonder about about the, the seventh day, the Sabbath. You know, you're not supposed to work and stuff like that. And it's like, if if I spend my Sabbath day fishing, am I working? Because if a guy who's a commercial fisherman for a living, <laughs> if he's fishing on the Sabbath, he's, he's working. working. So is uh, work for him and work for me different? I think you've I think answered your own question. I though. think that's the subject of a completely different <laughs> we need to I, do a podcast. I was just looking, this reminds me that, you know, God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant. And there is that theory that the plants and the trees had time to grow and to make seeds and do what they do. So the garden could be a garden and it didn't all just happen at so, once. So it sounds like we're coming to a consensus. Is that what's happening? No, I disagree with all you guys. <laughs> Let me start with you, Daniel. <laughs> well, well if, if everything has to come into, if, if, the, if he produces all the seeds and everything has to grow up, then it couldn't have happened in a day, could it? It had to have time to happen. So the day is not really 24 hours. We're or not arguing the that. gap theory. The gap theory. Now. It's a big or. Well, you know, one problem, you interestingly made the uh, statement that the earth was created with the appearance of age, you know. And there's a lot of people who, who have that theory, too. I have a problem with that. And yeah. I, I didn't base that on anything other than just the thought occurred to me. So mm -hmm. I just like to put that out okay, as a okay. disclaimer. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like that would if the if God created the earth with the appearance of age, He's actively deceiving 
Well, and I just that's the way I look at it. If you bring up C.S. Lewis, why is he deceiving? Why is that deception? Why is he? Why would he create it with the, with the appearance of age? Let me let me to deceive people from looking at it as being six to ten thousand. Because there's another theory that you because the history there's an oral history, the written history took thousands of years to develop. There's so there's an old there's an oral history that had to take place before anything could be written down. So you're saying before Moses could write anything, he the um, the the ability to write had yes. to exist. Yeah, was, so which it, took thousands of years. Was was chapter one given to him by his ancestors, or was it given oh, to him by man by, by God. God himself? Let me. Tell I don't about know, but Thomas, I'm sorry when you read that. I just I think this does better justice. The book of Genesis, chapter one. <laughs> Come on, man! <laughs> Listen. God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless. I agree. Now, now, now the earth was formless. But the way That's he reads he it, it's say just that. more like he needs this a Charleston Heston bones. to read it for him. <laughs> well, hey, I'll try again. Oh. In the beginning, <laughs> um, do you think it was handed down well through ancestors or? You think it was? <laughs> this is where it gets. You know, you better be careful how you tread here. So I do. Uh, okay, so let me just tell you my view of all this. I Josh's think, eyebrows are way up there. I think he needs uh, to lower them. I, yeah, you gotta be careful. <laughs> those eyebrows. You guys down, are Josh. playing with the word of God here. So um, if but this is just your opinion. We're not. We're not yeah. telling yeah, anybody but, else uh, how they should believe. But uh, there's a heresy stake in the back of the church. I noticed that needed to be burned. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> want to be the one on it. <laughs> Um, I think that the first chapter of Genesis isn't, I think we're missing the historical context in the, in the ancient reader, how they were reading this, this passage and what they got from it. We're Western thinkers, we're modern thinkers, and we're thinking in <coughs> like some kind of chronological order of how the earth came about. But in the Bronze Age and other religions, they all had their um, creation stories, and it was always near the same. And it's interesting that they're all near the same, but um, it's always that there's a chaotic world, and one of the gods steps in, takes the chaos, and makes order happen. And there's order in the world because God has has intervened on the behalf of his created people. He's like, here, I've made the world ordered. Now, go and make your own civilizations, you know. And this happens in all these Bronze Age um, religions. I think um, the Sumerians, it was Marduk. The Egyptians, they had their their um, Ra and, and Apophis fighting each other, and Apophis was the chaos, and Ra is trying to bring order. And here, God steps in. He makes the world. It's interesting, the stars, the sun, the moon, everything he made, these are not gods. They're not individuals. They're things that God have, has made. They're just things. And God is the only one who brings order. It says, now the earth was formless and void. God separates the land from water. Separating is like a big deal in a, in a chaos story. He's separating the light from the light. He's separating um, even the waters from the waters. And he's bringing order to the world. And um, I think... Coming from Egypt, these people are coming from Egypt. They're like, this is, you're not, it's not the Egyptian God. It's, there's one God who brings order. This is the God. 
Um, now, as far as um, also in Genesis, we don't necessarily get the um, creation ex nihilo thing, you know, where God creates out of nothing. We have something and God has ordered it. Later in the Bible, in the Psalms and in different places, we get God creating from nothing. And that's what we believe. We, we all believe God created from nothing. But in this story, that wasn't so important. What was important was God bringing order. The stars were there for telling of times and seasons. You know, this is this is how the world works because I made it work this way, you mm. know. And I think that's what's trying to be said there. And it's not so much an event, uh, the story of creation as we would think of it. I don't think God cared to tell us <laughs> the whole story. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of that. But do you think it was created in six chronological days? No. No? Oh, wait. What do you mean? The earth creation. What do you mean by days? <laughs> That's what it says. It in says six 24-hour days as we know it today. In evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. I think there were six steps, long periods of time. Yeah, I do think that. So basically old earth. Yeah, I am old so, earth. So you're not reading Genesis chapter 1 literal. In the way it was meant to be read, I think I am. So you know Moses' authorial intent? Is that what you're trying to tell us? No, not Do I have to join the Patreon Not according to, to my friend. My friend would tell me Moses' authorial intent was explained in Exodus chapter 20. Yeah. <laughs> Six 24-hour really period. Argument. And it's a really good argument. But... Um, you mentioned, is Genesis something that Moses got directly from God, or was it something that was handed down? And there are two theories. Again, there's God, when he was getting the Ten Commandments, God gave Moses the Torah, and Moses wrote it down. Um, the second theory is that it is handed down. Um, and there's interesting ideas about that. The, the name Yahweh doesn't show up in the Bible until Moses is on the scene, because God hasn't given his name to anybody before that. When he, when he introduces himself to Moses, he says, I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses is like, who? No, he knew. <laughs> he knew who his ancestors were because you say they was? told him it was handed down to him the kind of God that they served. And I do think God probably... The other theory is that God handed this information to probably Abraham or something. And Abraham hands it down to his kids and on and on and on. And so the story to where Moses comes in and Moses is this guy, this is oral tradition that's going on. And Moses is a guy who's in the palace of Egypt, and the Egyptians write down everything. And Moses says, you know, we really need to write this down. And so he writes it down as it's told to him. Not to say that that's not God-inspired. Moses is a man of God just like Abraham was a man of God. And if God wanted to reveal to Abraham, and Abraham hands it down orally, it's the same as Moses handing things down um, in written form. Okay, so so I would still think it's the it's inspired by God, even if it was handed down. When, but I do think it probably was handed to Moses, when at we, least that part. When we were kids, do you remember the game Telephone? Uh huh. Where everybody would sit in a big circle yeah. and you'd whisper something. Yeah, and it changes. And it changes by the time that do you doesn't think work in a, the Hebrew culture. Right? You don't think there's the, no the possibility that somewhere something could be it's a unlikely. little unlikely. And I yeah. and the reason why is when they turned twelve years old, they would have to quote the Torah. Can you imagine quoting the whole first five books of the Bible? But yeah, they, they had to, and they would do it in the in the presence of the elders. So everyone in the family who's older, who knows the Torah, would sit there and say, wait a minute, that's wrong, start over. And they would have to get it right. And so this is how oral traditions are handed down. And it happens 
every time somebody turns 12, if not more often than that. Mm-hmm. And so the, the odds did, of it changing are pretty slim. Did that that time in history? I, I don't know, but... Um, because they, they hadn't even begun writing until... Yeah, they, could, they couldn't have recited the Torah at right. that well, time. And what I'm saying would be the, the first chapter and then up to Abraham. They would be reciting those stories over and over and over. Um, but I don't know. I bet there is some kind of... Um, I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> you guys are looking That's at me like I know. You this so is just hard. some ideas I have. Don't burn me at the stake. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna have a Saturday night burning this Saturday. Josh yeah. will be the yeah uh, the heretic. I know. <laughs> I apologize if after this our three listeners don't talk to you anymore. Yeah, well, sorry, well, Frank and Bill. Who's the third one? <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> Always. Pastor Daniel, in your professional religious studies, how wh- is this? How is this kicked around? Like, is this do you guys talk about this at study hall or at lunch? Never. Okay. It's never come up at staff meeting. It's never come up in <laughs> pastoral discussions. Usually, the only time I discuss it's when I'm with a group of guys like this who really want to discuss the ins and outs of the Bible. Yeah. So you know, you can, if you went to to Mount Verde. And you saw George Washington's house. You can learn something about George Washington by the house that he built. You know, this is the kind of guy he was. You you won't learn his uh, his way of fighting the British or his ideas of politics. You won't learn any of that stuff unless you read the letters that George Washington wrote. And so you can learn a lot more about the guy by reading his letters. And so we have nature and the world that we live in. And we can learn a lot about the creator who made this place by looking at it but it's secondary truth revealing as it is the Bible as a revelation of truth because these are actually words that he spoke to his prophets or his people and they wrote them down for us. And so we can learn a lot more about God by reading the Bible, but I still think both are there to reveal truth. And if you... And to confirm one another. And they, yeah, they complement each other. They should. And if you can find truth with both of those, they should be fitting together. And if they don't, they'll... You know, sometimes you got to figure things out. Um, so you're saying religion and science should work together to prove that there is a God. Yeah, and I think they do. I think they do. If I, don't, honest, I don't think there's anything in science that does or could po- possibly refute the Genesis story I, at all. I think it. I think the Genesis chapter one can flow right into science. The Big Bang theory, like we said, there had to be a big banger. So you know what I'm saying? If if the Big Bang is how it happened. Somebody had to have, an effect has to yeah, have a cause. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nothing just there. There's you know that there where there was just literally nothing except energy, and then energy just exploded. And, and I think it's like, like Josh said in episode one. I think it was episode one. You can't prove a negative. Science doesn't. Um, you can't necessarily prove that God exists only through science, but you can't prove that He doesn't because mm-hmm, you can't yeah. prove a negative. Yeah. But anyway, that's my thinking, is the world should match up with the Bible, uh, the world you look at. Now, you can misinterpret the Bible, and you can misinterpret nature, the world you're looking at. So those are problems back and forth that you have. But if the Bible talks about a city called Jericho, you should expect to find a city called Jericho. And, you know, 100 years ago, some guy went out to go find it, and there it was in the sand. They found Jericho. And mm. it's like, oh, there we go. It it it, it complemented each other. Yeah. And that should go for everything in the Bible. I think it does. I think it does. Even if we like to speculate about it and, you know, do this kinds mm-hmm. of talks. Yeah, I, I, to me, this is just fun. I mean, it, literally, if it if it's a, if God created the earth in six days and the earth is six to 10,000 years old, I, it would not affect me 
whatsoever, my faith, my belief at all. If it's billions of years old and this is, you know, the uh, kind of a weird telling where we might be missing something, the gap theory or whatever, it will not affect me and my belief or faith at all. It's just fun to talk about for me. And there's people that dwell just on these topics and yeah. and they, they miss the whole grace me, it's, and it's, mercy and yeah. Jesus and Right, that's the center. Yes. I mean it, I I even I don't believe personally in evolution. I think animals were created. I think you know, viruses and things like that evolve. Well, ev- evolution to is to an extent because Small time. everything yeah. is still evolving. I mean it literally says then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal. I think that right there kind of shows that yeah. the earth... You're talking about the difference between macro evolution macro and micro. micro. Yes. Right, yeah. And yeah. so, but even if if a certain, somebody came to me and they said, I, I believe in Jesus, I believe in all this, but I can't get past evolution. I'm like, well, then believe in evolution. You mm-hmm. know, that's not, that's not going to hold you up. You know, you shouldn't have that in your way. What you know department what I mean? in salt water created that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Oh, but I think those things could be moved out of the way because I don't think they matter that much. No. Even though, yeah, I don't believe in evolution. I think what Thomas just said really puts a, a, an exclamation point on everything that we just discussed, and that is none of it should shake your faith. It doesn't affect whether or not I'm saved. It doesn't affect whether or not the grace that God gave us on the cross has washed away my sins. Uh, it doesn't affect the fact that Jesus is going to come back one day and bring us all to heaven. None of that changes throughout this discussion. It's fun to have, and we should have it. But ultimately, none of it matters because one day when we stand before Jesus, he's just going to want to know what you did with the time that you were given, yeah. mm-hmm. whether you believed in him. And that's what matters right now. And um, the Great Commission never said <laughs> that we should... Um, split churches over these kind of discussions. They should be had, but we shouldn't split churches because there are people out there dying and going to hell without (laughs) us telling them about the Jesus that saved us. But I was just thinking while you were talking, it's like, what what did you do with the time that was given you? I just Uh, spent an hour listening to a podcast, (laughs) and at the end they said it doesn't even matter. (laughs) (laughs) That was a quote from Gandalf the Grey in The Hobbit, or in The Lord of the Rings. All right, super. Well, that ends another episode of the Whatsoever Things podcast. All right, y'all, we just want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. The Whatsoever Things podcast is just a group of folks sitting around talking about their faith, and it does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the leadership of Oxford Assembly of God. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe in whatever your favorite podcast application is. And if you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G dot org. We'll see you next time.